Welcome to Behind the Scenes of the Metal Detective. I'm your AI host, Sam. In this episode, we'll talk with the human behind the sound, sound engineer, and Dolby Atmos mixer, Charles Hewitt. But as always, before we begin, let's change it up. This one's comfortable. Hello, Charles, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. I It's uh, lovely to be here. Um, yeah, thanks. This is This is exciting. So why don't you start with how you got involved with The Metal Detective and what drew you to the project? How I got involved in this crazy experience. Um, well, I've known James Walker, who's the who's the producer and the kind of the brainchild behind this. And uh, I'm also familiar with Andrew Hilton's writing. And uh, James came to me, uh, gosh, about a year ago now and and asked if I might be interested in, in co-producing and working on a full-blown no holes barred motion picture soundtrack with one caveat there's no picture and i said i'm i'm sorry what <laughs> and uh so he explained what he wanted to do which is this is not something that is this is not the metal detective was not written for an immersive project it was written as a motion picture film as a script and andrew did a spectacular job and um and subsequently forrest did a spectacular job of modifying it so the subtleties of making it immersive without actually having the picture in front of you it certainly uh, carved out uh, our workload in order to tell that story without without having picture in front of us but it was an exciting and crazy crazy good journey and i can't wait to do the next one so yeah so how i got involved how i got involved was james and some of his crazy ideas and they're always fun to work on since not all of our listeners work in media why don't you explain what the role of a sound engineer entails especially on a project like this yeah sure Sure. So, uh, sound is sound engineer um, can come in. There's a lot of different elements to that. There's sound designers. There's mixers, and and uh, so I guess you could sound engineer kind of covers all of that. But in this particular scenario for the metal detective, uh, it was really fun because we were working alongside Forrest and the sound designer, um, Nico Hewitt, and Nicholas did just a spectacular job of sound design. But creatively, we worked along with the director and the producer with James and Forrest to develop these sounds. And what would this, what would this particular scene, for example, sound like, as opposed to having a motion picture done and, and we're looking at the screen and we know what this scene needs to sound like based on the visual that we're seeing. Now we have to, to develop that. And so the sound engineer brings all of those pieces together, all of the, uh, it brings the musical score that comes together. It brings um, all of the sound effects together. And we start building this tapestry, this background, this, this we wanna make it visual. And so the, the sound engineer pulls all of these pieces together in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of audio tracks. And and then we I was the record re-recording mixer on this, and the job was to come up with a full, fully produced soundtrack for this in normal circumstance. I say normal. In 
in motion picture or television um, workflows, we would lay this soundtrack underneath the picture. And in this particular case, this was the picture. This was the story. But that's what a sound engineer does is pulls all of the elements together and then mixes it into a final product. Thank you for laying that out for us. You utilize Dolby Atmos in the mixing process. Can you describe how that technology plays a part in creating a more immersive audio experience for the listener? Yeah, Sam, that's that's a it's a good question. And I, I won't get too far down in the weeds with the difference between panning media, uh, panning the media versus object based mixing and whatnot, which is what Dolby Atmos is. But the thing that's really spectacular and Dolby really deserves a nod because they did their homework. Dolby did such a spectacular job in developing this platform. And not only is it incredibly creative, but they also made it very intuitive and easy to use, which is saying something for as powerful as this particular product is, this platform, this software package that they've done. But um, we started out, I started out mixing in, in mono and stereo and and then moved to 5.1 surround and then 7.1 and, and all of those, all of those speaker arrays are at for lack of a better term, ear level, right? It's kind of where, where your head is, right? The, the speakers are around you. Dolby Atmos adds an immersive piece to this by actually having speakers above you as well. So the this the ceil they're ceiling speakers. So when something goes over your head, it really goes over your head. And and the thing that makes that incredibly different and unique is that we are a very sophisticated species and so our ears sense this but does the psychoacoustics of something going passing over top like an airplane you don't look around when you hear an airplane you don't look around at eye level for an airplane you tip your head upwards to look at an airplane going overhead and so when we are mixing in Dolby Atmos and this immersive sound field it it, it explodes and from a sound engineer's perspective and from a mixer's perspective it's a blast it's uh you know and, and there are so many opportunities to do something crazy you have to rein yourself back and go okay all right that that's a little far-fetched and bring it back so that it's a reasonable mix uh that everybody will understand what you're doing but it's not gimmicky so um it's a it's a fine line to walk but Dolby Atmos is 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 a game changer for us as as recording engineers. Obviously, not all listeners will have access to a Dolby Atmos system. How and when did you realize in the mixing process that a new mastering technique would be needed in order to deliver a true immersive experience for the audience? Yeah, so so this is this is hats off again to to Dolby and one of the cool features within Dolby Atmos is the opportunity to render your soundtrack so we have the good fortune to be able to sit in on a, a dolby stage and 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 mix our show but within the software there's an opportunity for a binaural mix and a binaural mix is the that's all the special sauce and the coding and whatnot that dolby does in the background in this software but it the algorithms that are created in in a down mix into a binaural uh, track is it gives you the illusion on a on a two track 
uh, listening environment, so for example, headphones or earbuds, it gives you the illusion that things are moving around more than just left and right. They're actually moving forwards and backwards and up above you and whatnot. So all of the information that we baked into our Dolby Atmos mix, it goes through Dolby's renderer and gives you a binaural mix so that it will translate to headphones and earbuds and into your car, etc. I see the show is branded that it's certified in IAX. Can you explain what that is? IAX is immersive audio experience. And we came up with that while we were mixing the metal detector and while we were in development of the show. And it was early on when we knew something, there was one piece missing that didn't translate properly. So we would take a section, we would take a two or three minute piece of the show and render it out into a binaural mix to make sure, kind of like in the days when we would be doing music, for example, and we'd be in the studio and it'd be, you know, you're you're mixing a band and it's 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 great, it sounds beautiful in the studio, but let's do a mix down and let's put it onto a track. So now, of course, you can stream it on your phone or something like that. You can put an MP3 on your phone or you can take it out to your car and listen to it. Back in the years ago, we put it on a cassette tape and take it out to our car and listen to it and see whether or not the mix held up in a different environment, not just in the studio. So we decided to do that very same thing in, in with, with the show, with the metal detective. And so we'd render out two or three minutes and take it out to the car or put it on a set of headphones or put it on a sound bar. And we noticed some differences in the sound. So while we were on the stage and mixing in Dolby Atmos and then subsequently playing it back in binaural, it was loud, it was great, all of the pieces were there. But when we would listen to it on a sound bar and compare that particular mix to a mix that came off of Apple Music, for example, the subtleties in the mix, the texturing was different. And it occurred to me that when I was mixing music for many, many years, we would mix music, but we would never send it to distribution without sending it through mastering. And mastering is the icing on the cake. So we started doing that with our Dolby Atmos down mix, our binaural. The Atmos mix on itself translates spectacular. The binaural was not translating as, as we would have liked. So we developed our own mastering process that translates equally across a soundbar or through your computer or your earbuds or your headphones or into your car in a two-track environment. So that's what IAX is. It's a mastering process post Dolby Atmos downmix to binaural. I'm sure the tech heads are thrilled with learning some more pro tips here. Yeah. So how do you think some of these new technologies and processes will change the landscape for audio dramas moving forward? That's a really good question, Sam. Um, I'm going to just harken back to all the changes that have happened over the years in sound. So I wasn't mixing sound back in mono. I'm, I'm I'm not that old. So I wasn't mixing sound back in mono, but this this the conversations that took place and you can read about them the day that things went to stereo, it doubled the size of the sound field, right? It exploded. And then when things went to 5.1, oh my gosh, now the sound was around you and it exploded once more. So it's so much fun being active in an industry where the cutting edge continues to explode in front of you and we're able to access it 
um, as as a creative, it's it's um, it's a very very it's a thrilling thrilling experience, and and uh, like anything else, you you start experimenting with it and go yuck that sounds like garbage and ooh that sounds kind of cool how do we duplicate that again and it's just a, it's a new frontier but it continues to change in front of us so. Uh, there are tremendous opportunities, but I'm just delighted that that Atmos has really taken off and not just in motion pictures and television. Now we're doing immersive audio and Apple has a whole a whole channel of spatial audio. So you can listen to everything from brand new music to the classics uh, that have been remixed in Dolby Atmos. And uh, it's it's a it's a brave new world. And for us now doing immersive audio and I say now doing immersive audio that was my first one but I, I can't wait to do the next one it's a it's 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 thrilling it's a it's a great experience to be able to um, take a, a story and paint this picture with sound from a creative standpoint how did working on an audio drama like the metal detective differ from working on a film or television production one of the biggest differences is that in television or motion pictures um, our job is my job is to support what we see on screen if you go too far overboard then you're just drawing attention to yourself right you're just drawing attention to the sound our job is to make it granted it's bigger you know the the gunshots are bigger than what a real gunshot actually sounds like and if you're doing a you know if it's a sci-fi piece the the you know the big robot is probably clanking and making more sounds than he probably would but um, at the end of the day it's supposed to be natural so when the audience is watching it because film and television moving pictures let me put it that way is not a visual medium it's a sensory medium so we see what's on the screen but our job as this as the sound engineers is to build a tapestry that supports what you see on the screen and makes it be just seamless in immersive audio our job is to also give you the picture there is no picture on the screen so now we have to paint the picture and what's different is there's nothing to support now we have to create it so i'll give you one example for uh, there was a scene in uh the metal detective where the main character jack was walking down a hallway how do you if it was a motion picture if it was moving pictures we'd see the elevator door open and we'd see her step out and walk down the hallway how do we do that without saying oh and now i'm walking down the hallway which is you know kind of trite so the way we did that was forrest ingeniously had conversations that would happen on the left and the right that they would start in the front left, for example, and slowly come by the listener and come closer to you, by, past your shoulder, and then on on behind you, and slowly fade out as one on the right would come up, like you're passing hotel rooms, right? And in this particular scenario, as crazy as it sounds, the doors were open a little bit because we could hear the conversation. <laughs> but 
in that particular scenario, we hear her footsteps. We hear Jack's footsteps walking down there. We hear the ding, ding of the elevator doors open and she walks down the hallway, but we hear these conversations going by us as she's moving down the hallway. And so that's one way of painting the picture that we typically would not have done something like that unless it was specific that the door was open and you could hear that. But that was a way of, of painting a picture with just the sound and letting our audience experience what it said on the written word on the script is like now she's walking down the hallway and we had to create that uh, uh, an audio experience that let the listener listener know that thank you so much for sitting down with me of course my dear i know it can be hard doing your job especially being a woman as we're the purveyor of original sin the lord father rightfully makes us work harder so we've got to stick to hey babe can you hand me that fiber here are you still planning on hacking into the hotel system yep it's a nice place and all just want to look around i don't remember entering any competition for a free night stay you can't keep shutting thing, me can you? out I follow you, and I follow you, but you give me nothing. Just relax, Jill. The less you know, the better. The less I know? How can I know any Are there any particular films or television shows that have influenced you in your approach to sound mixing? My approach to sound mixing is it's in the subtleties. You can make us you can make a scene be big and loud and and you know add a lot of gunshots and and craziness and cars revving and throttling and it's a car chase or it's a gunfight or whatever it is and and it gets big and and obviously you have to carve out enough in there so that you can hear the dialogue, but making something big and, and loud and all around you is is certainly something we do on a regular basis because the show calls for that. The thing that's exciting to me is it's in the subtleties. And there's there's a lot of films out there that, that I can draw on, but one in particular that comes up, there was a show out a couple years ago called Ford versus Ferrari. It was just, it was, a, it was a wonderful show, but there's one particular scene that happens late at night and it was a, it's an airplane hangar, but it's where they're working on the cars. And it's late at night and his wife, Kristen Bale's wife shows up and it's, it's dark. And when they, she opens the door to step into this big garage airplane hangar, you sense you don't hear, but you sense the space of being in a different room. And to anybody, if you walk from your inside your house and open up the door and walk outside with your eyes closed, you know that you just stepped into a different environment. Psychoacoustically, your mind knows that I'm no longer inside the confines of an eight foot ceiling. Same thing happens when you step into a large space like that, like a, into a into a big airplane hangar. But so the moment that happens, 
you feel you sense this space and then you hear a small transistor radio playing way off in the distance and you hear the sound of a open-end wrench hit the concrete floor and in that very subtle no words spoken in those five seconds the picture that gets painted is it's dark it's late there's a radio and there's someone working on the other side of the building all in five seconds without seeing anybody working it's just she opens the door and you hear you sense the sound you hear this radio way off in the distance and the clang of a wrench hit the floor those kind of subtleties to me I love paint. I, I just love the fact that they painted this spectacular picture in five seconds. You knew exactly what the scene looked like. And uh, th th those are the kind of things that that really motivate me to be a better sound engineer is how can you bring the subtleties into a mix that really makes the difference. So you're the owner of Mirror Studios, a state of the art post facility that's in Boise, Idaho. Talk a little bit about the resources of Mirror Studios and how they aided in the production. And uh, why Boise? Aren't post services usually done in LA or New York? Well, there, there's a couple questions in there, but um, so it, it, yes, we are uh, very fortunate to have a state-of-the-art facility. We've got a, a couple of mixing stages and and uh, uh, sound, develop, uh, sound effects uh, development stages and ADR and, and whatnot the the thing that i like the most is the fact that especially when we're all working on a project and we can work on multiple projects which happens every day here up and down the halls but for the metal detective for example while we were right in the thick of it we had sound design happening in one of the rooms and mixes happening in, in another and so we would take pieces and do some mixes and then go back down up and down the hall back and forth with one another so having everything under one roof was it's incredibly creative we call it sneaker net right it's like we we get to go back and forth with our the soles of our shoes instead of wrapping up a mix and sending it to the other side of the country and you listen to it and they go i think you got it there but when it when it gets to this particular scene can i get something a little bigger or not so subtle here or you know which which works and that's the that's the world we live in now which is i we just finished up a project that had uh picture edit was done in in france and music was done in germany it's like it was all over the world right so that's that's the world we live in but there's something incredibly freeing creatively and exhilarating to be able to walk down the hall and say bring up that section yeah it's about four and a half minutes in go oh, no back yeah right there bring up that section again play that back there's something wrong with it something doesn't feel right in the mix there can we maybe add a little low end i need something extra there i need something less there i need and and to be able to have that available i'm i'm very spoiled and to have be able to have that available and also have the the creatives the technicians that are doing this that are so so good i love being the dumbest guy in the room uh it's it's a wonderful wonderful environment the second part of that question which was why boise 
Um, I, I've worked in Los Angeles and and uh, I've lived in Los Angeles and I don't choose to live there anymore. Um, I I like the at being a creative is certainly a it's it's a it's what I happen to be and what I do for a living. But part of my creativity also comes to a quality of life. And so when I'm on a mixing stage in Los Angeles, it is great. And you're there with creatives and you're working like crazy and you open up the door, you take a break and you walk outside to get a breath of fresh air and you get slapped in the face with the fact that, oh my gosh, this, this organized chaos is going on around me. Here at our particular facility in Boise, I'm looking out the window at big, beautiful, gorgeous trees that are flanking the Boise River. And the Boise River is one of the top three urban fishing rivers in North America. So when you're working with Greg Gerlach, who's our post supervisor, if you can't find Greg, he's usually down at the river with a fishing pole in his hand. So um, it's just a different environment. And for me, it's that serenity goes a long way to assisting with the creativity. Wow, it sounds quite lovely. I do love fishing. Perhaps I should take a trip up there. Yes, you should. Yeah. You have an open invitation. Thank you so much, Charles, for being with us today and sharing your expertise. You bet. You bet. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I hope people enjoy The Metal Detective. It was a blast to make. And to our listeners, to find out more about Charles and the rest of our amazing cast and crew, please visit bradburyhotel.com. Also, if you'd like to learn more about IAX, please visit iaxaudio.com. As always, we hope you've enjoyed the show and we ask that you follow, share, and review. Till next time, stay curious. Thank you.